Alrighty everyone, welcome back. This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro bringing you another episode of Monday Madness on August 30th, 2023. This is, of course, being released on a Wednesday because I took some time to go visit a buddy in Michigan. A low-tech vacation spent tubing, building fires, and fishing. I was able to piece together enough tackle to make it work and ended up catching three perch between five and six inches. The third one I caught was just textbook, hook set in cheek and the largest of the fish. The first guy barely held on by his lip, but I was able to get him back to the dock. The poor second fellow was caught in the wrong place at the wrong time as he swam past as soon as I jerked my line. I caught him right above his eye on the outside of his body, and I think I maybe ended up giving him a quick little fish lobotomy because he started swimming in upside-down circles once I released him. But you didn't come here to listen to the misadventures of Left Lobe Lenny the Perch. I imagine you probably came here to get filled in on the latest statistics and most revealing stories within the world of energy, so let's get to it. Last week's WTI price was trending into the dirt. The lowest we saw was about $78 last Wednesday. The good news is that it had only gone up from there. By the end of last Friday, it was a solid $80. Now that it is Wednesday, we just hit a weekly high at two cents. I'm talking two cents shy of $82. Nothing too incredibly crazy moving price action, and at this point it's just oscillating in territory that we've become very familiar with since December. It is trailing behind Brent by about 450 right now, which is getting wider than previous weeks as far as the spread goes. This means fewer people are importing WTI in comparison to other international benchmarks, but we will just have to see how that develops through the winter. Natural gas is priced much tighter than WTI, and to be quite honest, has simply oscillated in the same spot for many months, just the same, but much, much tighter. Still, it's all relative, and relative to last Wednesday, we are up 30 cents to 280. I'm almost certain that it will come right back down to 250 within just a few days. Nothing too incredibly strange to see about commodities here, but if you have a tool that has a high enough resolution, say of 15 to 30 minutes, and you can look at WTI futures trading, I think it's a CL1, I recommend you look at the dips that we see early Monday mornings. These crazy little jerks down as much as a couple of bucks in a matter of hours that are immediately wiped out by a fast little rebound. I won't elaborate on what I believe is going on here, but the immediate strength and rebound found in the price action is reassuring, to say the least. Next is the rig count, which appears to be back to regular double-digit declines. The most recent report shows a 10-rig decrease in the U.S., which is 133 fewer than we had this time last year. We are at a total of 632 rigs. The last time we were this low was back in February of 2022, so... The only dip worse than the one we are experiencing right now is the demand destruction from 2020 because, like I said, last time it was this low, we were actually trending upward from worse times. Basin by basin, the Marcellus was leading the pack with one more rig added to the total. No other basin saw positive numbers. The Canna Woodford and the Eagleford each lost one. The Haynesville lost two, and the Permian lost seven. State by state, this means Oklahoma and West Virginia gained a rig each. No other positive changes at the state level. Louisiana lost three, while New Mexico and Texas split the Permian losses at five each. The Gulf of Mexico lost one too. Most of the rigs that got laid down were targeting oil and making horizontal hole, but that's not to say we didn't lose some directional and vertical gas wells too. 
Everyone knows the story by now. I mean, folks, EMP companies are not, I repeat, they are not willing to develop given these current commodity prices. Why should they spend the money to produce cheap assets when a little bit of patience could go a very long way? I would imagine one month of $85 pricing could convince some other people to start putting these rigs back up, but until then, I think you can count on that count falling much, much lower. Our last statistic to touch on is the inventory report. Everyone held their breath this past week as the EIA released the results of their latest inventory report. They predicted a drawdown smaller than last week's at 2.85 million barrels, but ended up reporting another 6 million barrel drawdown. The API was not nearly as optimistic as they predicted a smaller than 3 million barrel drawdown, but still ended up delivering good news as they witnessed 2.4. This continues a great trend for August inventories as they are down now more than 20 million barrels by the EIA numbers. This is quickly reflected in the trend line from the EIA as the current trend puts us below historically normal territory by October. If anyone's putting money on it, it is entirely possible we get to higher oil prices this winter. The most recent gasoline data shows a 1.4 million barrel build to the supply, which has helped to cool prices, but only marginally. California has a 20 cent lead on Washington state for the most expensive gas at an average of 5.260 per gallon. Remember, that's just an average. There are two counties in Cali paying more than $6 a gallon on average. The cheapest gas remains in Mississippi, but is still going upward in price. 3.304 ain't shabby at all but certainly more expensive than it was last week. Average U.S. gas price decreased by almost $0.04. Diesel became $0.01 more expensive week over week, which is much slower than it has been increasing as of late. Distillates looked like they were going to begin trending upwards again, but it looked like it is possible we will set historically low records, once again after blowing them out of the water last year. Propane sits on the opposite end of the spectrum, but appears as if it will enter historically normal territory from the top down once again very soon. For our first story, we have some news from China, or more specifically, PetroChina. PetroChina is the largest producer and one of the largest refiners in Asia, and they recently released numbers reporting their record high profit for the first half of 2023. As you likely recall, lots of China's economy was all jacked up and slowed down. Quote, in the first half of 2023, Domestic market demand recovered steadily, and refined product consumption showed recovering growth, returning essentially to 2019 levels. Domestic supply of refined product has accelerated recovery, end quote, said the company, PetroChina. Now, there's a super significant part of that sentence where they said, returning essentially to 2019 levels. Global consumption may not be quite back to that point yet, but lots of goods, processing, and energy has to go through China. Their economy is recovering quickly, and why shouldn't it? We demand on a lot. So at this point, business is booming for China. PetroChina processed 673 million barrels of crude in half one alone, which is 12.6% greater than the same metric a year ago. PetroChina reported increasing oil and gas production both locally and internationally, in addition to higher refining throughput and gasoline production. In the first half of 2023, production of marketable natural gas increased by 7.3%, while domestic oil output increased by 1.2%. Those stats make sense, especially considering the natural gas conversation we had this last episode. If you don't know what I'm talking about, 
Last week's episode was great, and you should be able to find it by searching for the Rare Petro Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Still, it's not all sunshine and daisies all over China. Different state major, China Petroleum and Chemical Corporation, also known as Sinopec, reported a 20.1% decline in net profit over that same half of 2023. They cited similar concerns that some Americans might be, revolving around lower prices in the commodity space and a slightly weaker-than-expected fuel demand recovery. Ultimately, things are trending in the right direction for China, but they are not free of the same difficulties that we are experiencing. While discussing good news from China, we also have news from a friend of theirs, Brazil. They just set a new production record for the month of July as they produce 4.48 million barrels of oil per day. Overall, output for oil is up 18.6% year-over-year, and gas is up 13.6% year-over-year. Petrobras is Brazil's national oil company, and they're largely responsible for a ton of this growth. Some analysts are predicting 61% growth in production from now to 2030, which is an increase from a reported 2.15 million barrels per day to an estimated 3.46 million barrels per day. Again, that's in the span of, well, a little over five years at this point. Unsurprisingly, the company has also released some new commitments to decarbonization, and they will dedicate a larger percentage of revenue towards these new projects. Petrobras CEO Jean-Paul Prates reiterated that dividends will likely not be where they were in previous quarters due to reinvesting this portfolio towards these projects and uh, in the space of decarbonization and new exploration. So it definitely seems like their eyes are on the future and they're looking forward to growth. So good on them. But folks, that is all I have for you today. If you want more content, you can always find more on www.rarepetro.com. Otherwise, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast, and you will be alerted anytime we release something new and fresh. If you just want to stay up to date on all things oil and gas, we push plenty of our favorite news sources through our website. Thanks for tuning in, as we're trying to become the best energy professionals we can possibly be, and we are glad you like to join us. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, take care, everybody. 